as an introduction to the Kinnis, which, as we mentioned in previous years, uh, should be said and understood, not just davened up. And as we're going to reach one, you can't help but be overwhelmed by the tragedies and sadness and overwhelming, it looks like overwhelming needless I've been. What's startling but important to note to balance it out in the middle of Eicha, as we were landing last night, Paragimel Pasichov. So Pasichov, which is in line with most of the Megillah, Zacha Tisker, which means you have to remember all the tsaris, and yet the next four or five sukim, the middle of Eicha, not the end, are really sort of divri nechama. Which means I'll remember the psuke nechama that the same Nevi'im who said all the pending tragedy, Yermia Yeshaya also always had Divri Nechama. Chazdi Hashem Kila Samne Kila Chala Rachamav. Chadashim Lebekarim Rabba Menasecha. That will be a new dar. And there'll be people who always mischadesh even within the Tzara holding on. Chalki Hashem Amanashi Akein Eicheloi. Eicheloi means I'm going to have Bitochem. Taiva Hashem Lekaiva Vlanefesh. So how do you do all that? So the next Pasuk defines it. Is that you have to remember, you have to see, you have to understand. You have to understand what you don't understand. But you have to understand that even Midas Adin in Shemayim, I mean, sure was discussing last night with me uh, after the Kinnis, how do you how do you take all the Tzara? Is there any Ra that comes from Akash Baruch Hu. So the answer is no. In perception, yes. But there's no thing as Ra and Toiv in Shemayim. In Shemayim, the Din slash Rachamim, the mixture thereof, is meted out according to what we as Klai Yisrael can handle, what we as Klai Yisrael can survive with. Survival is relative. You can have, as we saw in the last four, been millions of people not making it, then Klai Yisrael not only surviving, but as we mentioned yesterday, rebounding in the strongest, strongest way, perhaps since Forbin Bayashani. So that's Din, what we perceive as Din, Mesorachamim, and Shemayim, there really isn't a chilik, because there's no good, there's no evil, there are people who are doing evil with their own Bechira and their Shlichim, who choose to be the Shlichim and the destruction. Amalek is acting evil, which is why Amalek has to be destroyed, has to have rooted from the world. But that's the people volunteering to act like Amalek. When I act like Amalek, the Ramam says there's no mitzvah to do that. So even Amalek, which was personified by the Nazis in Akshaman and the West Corps, but even Amalek, there's no inherent evil that can't be fixed up if they themselves or the Bechiba would want to change. They could could have been the vehicle of good. I say that in the Rambam without getting into Lumbus and Tishabo, but uh, if we don't know who the genealogical Amalek is, it might be anybody who's acting like Amalek. Because if they're not, even if they were genealogically Amalek, there's no key to destroy them. So even within people, there's no inherent good or evil. And the fact that in the middle of Eicha, not at the end, five Sikkim are put I don't believe they're here just for Divri Nechama. I think they're here to help us understand what the scenario looks like, what we perceive as evil and as Ra and as something that's unfair. Baruch Hu is trying to temper the necessary Einish for Averis, for long-term Averis, that add up and add up and add up until Baruch Hu pulls the plug, but he's not pulling the plug in Klai Yisrael. He's meeting out what's necessary to clean the slate, which is very painful, very hard to see, and very 
daunting in the Bitachon Emuna. If you're going through it, it's easier to talk about it in a safe room many years later. But the Pesukim over here mean that first intellectually you have to understand Chasti Hashem Kilo Samnu. This is Chesef Matarj Baruch Hu. As Chazal say, he took out his anger on Eitzim Valvonim, did not completely destroy Klai Yisrael. And those individuals who make it, Tzayv Hashem L'Kaivav, and they have to see it through to make it, not only physically do you have to be alive, but you have to mentally and emotionally still be plugged in. And the way to do that is the following Pasuk, Tzayv Yachel V'Dumam L'Shuas Hashem, is sometimes you have to be silent, you have to just look, observe, contemplate and get uh, past it. So the Avaidah of the morning is uh, not to ignore it. All these kinas are written because A, the people deserve to be remembered, the Tzadikim and the Yesharim, who were killed by Kiddush Hashem. And the fact that the people observing who did make it were able to pick themselves up and, and go forward. Uh, the most challenging Nisayan for Tzitkiyo Amelech was to try to figure out first when the Nevuas were still that you could say things to act even though everybody was against them. And then at such point that the fate was sealed and the last Nevuah he got was there is going to be a Churban and you're not going to escape but you can give up in a way where you're going to see the enemy going to be taken to Bavel in a more Bukhavadika way. He will respect you and the Malchus uh, will survive and be the Malchus in Bavel. But the choice is yours. And despite his inner titkus, couldn't uh, face the people, couldn't fight the people. And the second part of the rule was, if you don't do that, you're still going to be captured, but you're going to be blinded, and you're going to go to Bavel in chains. And even within the Tzara, there were choices. And part of the difficulty anybody who was in this matzav was accepting what was going on around him and trying to figure out what Akash Baruch Hu want from me at this time. The pushback on the B'tachon Amuna is Akash Baruch Hu doesn't care about me anymore and what difference does it make? I'm having Bechir at this point, which is not true. And the various kinnits which we're going to comment on, it, uh, it's hard to imagine a mere 60 years ago how people came through it with their bitachon, their amuna. Not only did they, but they had such bitachon and amuna, they were able to not only hold on, but rebuild. That only works if you read all the words in Echel, including these words of how to deal with tragedy, what the reaction is, and most importantly, which probably the hardest part of it, is that the averis that are done, especially for years and years and years, are so chomer that yesh dim v'yesh dayim. And part of me is a rachamim is the Kosh Baruch waits and waits and waits. So the Einish might be chal later on and then the people are wondering, well, is what I did so bad? And he says, no, what you did wasn't so bad and what he did wasn't so bad. But the collective waiting of thousands and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, hundreds of, thousands of people who weren't doing the right thing adds up and it's the Midas rachamim that there's a long waiting period for people to do tshuva, even though at the end it's sort of a build-up. The the book that they came out with a number of years ago, not too many years ago, The uh, Divine Madness, uh, Victor Miller, so those were his notes that he wrote to himself about the tkufa of the uh, Holocaust, and he, Dafka, did not publish them in his lifetime. He lived, Baruch Hashem, right old age, and he had many decades to publish them. And he didn't. There's a Shaila exactly when he wanted it published. But it was finally published. And it's real Tisha B'Av reading if you have it at home and saw it and if you didn't borrow from somebody. It's not for the faint of heart, but uh, Victor Miller is only what he could do. Uh, said it like it is, and he wrote it like it was. But at the time that he wrote it, uh, no one was ready to hear it. It's still too fresh. As we spoke about yesterday during the Shear, as time goes on, you can speak about it a little bit more because it's not a frontal attack and I perceive it as an attack on the emotions of those who survived and those who saw others who didn't. But the theme of the Sefer 
which is in plain English, is that we have to document what the divine wrath is all about. What triggered this? And it wasn't from one year, it wasn't from two years, it was from a couple of centuries already of Hasola, the time when all Taisal was from. And it had its effect on those who were no longer from, certainly, probably two thirds of Israel, and on those who were, who um, apparently weren't doing enough. Does that mean that we understand uh, all the uh, quote unquote innocent people, certainly children who were innocent? We know Chazal tell us the Satan is given Rishus to be Mekatrik Rahman Once the Einish and the perception of Minasin falls, then there's no Chilik, which is the result that uh, everybody knows about. The same story is said over time and time again in the Kinnis. And to the extent the Kinnis that talks about the Battle of York when they were in the tower and the last remaining Jews, and there were two adults and a bunch of children, and the debate was, do we all commit suicide, which is normally us, or do we kill them so they shouldn't fall into the hands of the Christians and be baptized and taken away, or do we not? Those decisions in a tower as they're ramming down the door, it's impossible to make that decision. It's a big mahalika. Make that decision stam in a room where you're comfortable and you have time to think. The fact that it was a havamina, it wasn't a havamina, one of them held it was maskana and he did it. The other rub over there held that it shouldn't be done, and not the chiyav in less than bar mitzvah and the chiyav of dying of Kiddush Hashem. But the fact that it was done. The Havamina is important. The Havamina is that this is all happening because the Ravayras are moving away from Kosh Baruch Hu. How do you let them just go off with the Rishon, the Christians, who will take them further and never to come back? The Havamina is real. The question is, Al-Pidin, was it a Chiv? That's how bad things got, that it was not only numbing of the senses, it was a question of you know, so many Shailas day-to-day, minute-to-minute, and part of the Hester was it was extremely difficult to make decisions as Avoshi writes in his which was written after the war from his memory of the Shadows that were asked and the things he passed him he was the youngest rogue in Lita at the time when the few to survive and he kept telling people in the ghetto he's coming to me with life and death Shadows I have this firm with me and uh, this needs a forum of uh, people to decide and even when he wrote it up afterwards he said he told the people I'm telling you this but only if others are masking Shailas, which most common one, Baruch Hashem, not that many people, the Nazis would have preferred this, not that many people asked to commit suicide. The Nazis wanted that, and every move they made was to create that uh, mental uh, instability to cause this, and to their frustration and to the godless of Yisrael, most of the time it didn't happen. But they did, for those who had avenues of escape, um, have access to papers that spelled out Cannot preferish the Shailiz was it preferish enough that I'm a Christian? It said it at RK. RK was only two passports, RK or Jew. RK means Roman Catholic. That's the uh, Polish word was the same Rosh Tevis. The question is that so their great great grandparents and the pogroms and the crusaders died when they asked them, Do you want to be a Christian or a Jew? So he said, Well, it says in the Ramah that uh, if it's not perfeirish, maybe it stands for something else. Ah, nobody reads it as something else. He said, maybe it's Utu Yemekul, Meshtamid Letreape, but he said, I can't pass this myself. I'm the youngest one here. You have to ask um, somebody else. Problem is, there wasn't anybody else. Part of the pressure was not just the uh, physical danger, it was the mental anguish that this Hester Punim, and we don't know exactly what to do. And that comes out in the Kinnis as well, when in the middle of the Kinna, after describing the tragedy, the author of the Kinna will cry out, Hashem is not with us, meaning he's with us. He's not giving us yet the Shema, we don't know what to do. That's part of the uh, backdrop, that's the Midah Kinnagin Midah, the time when they had a Sanhedrin and they had the Nevi'im, and yet they weren't listening. which is Yud is probably the most important one in terms of the direct quotes from Echa itself. Yemiyah wrote Echa 
and he was witness to the Corbin, but very, very excruciatingly painful for him is that he witnessed the Corbin very, very slowly. It wasn't just the one day, the one month, the one year. He saw the slide already from Melch Yeshio. Yeshio HaMelech was one of the tzaddikel, Yen HaMalchus Beis David. As the kinna begins to describe him, which yeah, it's unusual for a kin, I usually go straight to the tragedy. But here to understand the tragedy, you have to understand what the potential was. Echa elikana me'ela ben shmona shana echa lidrash me'elakad. This is the Hesped of Yumya on Yeshia Amelech. He was a Baal from the age of eight. His father was a Russian Rusha. And he was in a situation where he knew absolutely nothing. He figured it all out himself. And he stiked to such a point that he didn't only fix up his own Avaida, but he realized now Israel, he has to work on Klai Israel and he has to raise them up by royal decree. The purpose of a Melech is Hashem and to break the hands of Rishayim. Most Malachim, if the times were good, didn't have to do that. He was fighting him out a whole generation. And he spent years and years and years sidelining the Abdiyabarazara, causing tshuva, causing his sayrits. He made a second treaty. And by Hihayayim, he was faced with a request. It wasn't supposed to be a battle. So Melech Mitzrayim was on his way to wage a campaign up north. Nothing to do. So he claimed nothing to do with play. So he just asked for a safe passage to walk through. It's Israel, if you look at the map, is at the crossroads of uh, civilization. <coughs> for security and for peace and for isolation, which is a good thing, you would imagine a Baruch Hu would make a Tisrael Australian. You want to be left out of things, you want to be left alone, you want to be able to focus on Yahweh Hashem. So put it on a remote island, a very large place at the tip of the globe, and normal will the Haladabra, who Baruch put a Tisrael smack in the middle of the Middle East, which was the hub of civilization for thousands of years and still is the hotbed of activity. And you need to defend three borders at all times. Why is that? I don't have all the answers, but we can offer some. Why did Akash Baruch design it like that? If you want a country that's defendable, you need defensible borders. As we discussed yesterday, it's not defendable now, and it will be lost love because there won't be any more war. That's what it says in all the Nebuahs. But it's in a very precarious position. And the same enemies we have today were the same enemies in the time of the Navi, and you never know if you were being attacked from the south, or from the east, or from the north, or from the west when the Romans came in their ships. Why did Akash Baruch position it like that? Same reason I could have brought the position that it's Israel with no natural water, depends on rain. Pasuk says that. Same reason why position that it's Israel the last 80 years after the discovery of oil, without a drop of oil. Perhaps a good sign that they found enough gas now offshore, but even that's going to be a machlekes. So why? The Pasuk says in Chumash that it has all the natural resources and it's all there. It's hidden because that's part of the gold's condition. No doubt in my mind that if the gas is not enough and we need oil, uh, as soon as the Mashiach comes, he's going to let us know it's right there in Beersheba. But right now we can't find it. And it's the same thing with the borders. If we're doing Ratzon Hashem, Kosh Baruch will protect us. If we're not, Kosh Baruch will dafka is on a place where we know that our position is precarious. And we know that, as the Pasuk says, we say it every day in Kriya Shema, if you don't do the right thing, it's not going to rain, and you can't depend on the Nile. All that was set up by Kosh Baruch Hu to be able to keep us awake and keep us on our toes. Yoshio knew all this. He also knew that historically, unless everybody's doing the right thing and not doing a Vodazar, they can't depend on Nisim, that's for sure. And yet, the Malach Mitzrayim says clearly, I'm not coming to fight you, I'm just passing through. And he said, no. Pasek says, I have the right to rely on that, we're doing the right thing, doing tshuva for years, and you're not coming. 
And then the Navi came and told them, let him through. It's not your battle. And this is where it gets very, every year I try to build on this. And this year we got to it in Navi, so I'll share with you. But I think it's finally the shot. The Navi told him to let him through. And he didn't listen. So Yeshua Melech is at Santi Gesarel. And since when doesn't he listen to the Navi? Why didn't he listen to him? Tzidkiyo, as we just mentioned, had a problem. Tzidkiyo was in a rock and a hard place and his men were probably going to kill him, which perhaps he should have died of Kiddush Hashem, but it was a very difficult matzah. Yoshio was king, he was a strong king, and he was uh, liked by a section of the population, ones that wanted to do the right thing. So why didn't he listen? So I think the pshat is, you look at all the Makaris, the Navi didn't really tell him Beferish Kayam Hashem. Came and he told him that he's not coming to fight you, let him through, and he's Marames, it's not the time to pick a fight. And he kept telling him, I don't know, it says in the Postal why you have a right to him. So I don't understand. <laughs> so he told him again. He never said, Kayam Arashem, don't do this if you go to battle, it's going to be a Sakana. He never spelled it out. So that would answer the question why the Melot didn't listen to him, even though the First lesson is, if you have a kasha, he was his rebbe. If you have a kasha on your rebbe, and you have a kasha from Pasi Chumish, either he'll tell you the answer. He doesn't tell you the answer, but nobody ever died from kasha. In this case, unfortunately, uh, he will get killed. But nobody ever, that's the expression, but nobody ever, they say, yeah, find out the answer tomorrow, the next day, you wait. So that was a mistake, but he wasn't necessarily chayim misa just for that. <laughs> and he's trying to do the right thing, and he just wanted to show that we have the ability to rely on the Pasi and to choose it. So the bigger unanswered question is, why did the Navi spell it out? It wasn't a Vuhuf Lakash Bhagavad. Why did he say, Kayamarishan is a listen, Your Highness, you're not, you're not understanding. This is not advice. It's not something I'm telling you is not a good idea. It's Kayamarishan, it's not going to work and you're going to put yourself in danger. So the Navi didn't say it. So we mentioned at the time, there's a Ben Yehoyado. We don't often speak about Gogulam, and I spoke about it about a month ago. So everybody's asking me afterwards, can I, can I tell them that Tachlas Achayim? There's a reason why we don't speak about Gogulam most of the time, it's because it gets dangerous. We're not supposed to know Tachlas Achayim is Shasim Peskim. Nobody has, a Gilgul is not told what he's trying to fix up. If you find something particularly difficult, that's probably what you're supposed to be working on. And the Sadagal Gulim is very real and very complicated, and it could be a half a Gilgul and a half a Nitzis from here and there, and it could be 28 Pejbenis that probably are. So it's not our job to try to figure that out because it's way beyond us. But the few times when they tell us what it is, at least for Pshat and what's going on over here, this is the beginning of the Chorban. The reason this kin is put relatively early is because Yermio understood that after Yoshio was killed, the people understood this also. They were very depressed and they were very upset. He was almost the last hope. I say almost that Sitkiyo, who's going to be the next and last king, who's a tzaddik, had a chance at the beginning of his reign, but very slim. Yoshio was really turning things around. He was young when he was killed. Had he survived, he would have been able to further the Chuvu movement. So this is really the beginning of the end. And the Ben Yoda says, first he asked the Kasha, Kasha, Kivin, the Hoyer, So how did Yoshio make this mistake? So the Gemara tells us that he sent guards to check every house and the no good nicks put the Yavarazar behind the door, so they came in to check it behind the door, they didn't see it. And then they were so evil and so spiteful, they told the two Chachamim who came to check, please, the rabbi, on the way out, can you please close the door? So they can laugh, because when they close the door, they actually put the Avodah together. So, out of spite, they weren't stam, uh, stuck with their tithes. It sounds like they were interested in making the point, and they left and didn't know. And the report was always, everybody's doing fine, we didn't find anything. So, the Ben Yayada asks, why didn't Yermia spell it out? But why didn't you just tell him without spelling out even Kalim Hashem? Just tell him, Your Highness, you're missing information. Why didn't he say that? The whole kid is about the disaster for Klai Yisrael when he was killed. He put a remez in it. A remez? You don't want to say Kalim Hashem, so put a remez in Didn't even tell him that. Blamala Gilala Yermia Navi, Lobasham Sakhazem. Kishamala Mesha Amar Hevla Sakhar Baitzachan. Yoshio's argument is I can rely on the Pusik. We're doing the right thing. We're Zechit to the promise in the Pusik. The Navi says, Your Highness, you're wrong on the Matthias. Or Kayim HaShem, one of the two, would have done the trick. Nearly, Ben Yayoda says, 
The Isra Besefer Haderis, Beshem HaMekabolim. Ochoz Nizgalgo B'Yoshio V'Nerag B'Mochomo L'Chapel Avonis B'Gilgal Ovar. Yemiyo either knew or had some premonition that part of his Nisai in the Pashup Shad is that there's still Bechira Chavshis and Melch Yashio has to have Bechira. Bechira is listen to your Rebbe or make a big mistake. That's the Pashup Shad, but Ben Yadiel is trying to explain why didn't Yemiyo push a little harder with some Rebbe's? So he understood, I don't know if it's part of the Nevuah, but Yemiyo she understood that part of his Nisayan was whether to listen or not. He had the Bechira to listen, but perhaps the plan was, since he was a Gogol of Ochoz, to be Mesakim for Ochoz Zaver, Ochoz Dada Rosham. And the Pasuk and the Gemara is very graphic how Yoshio was killed. He went to battle, faced Paranacha in battle, and the archers put so many holes into him he was leaking, he had holes like a sieve, the Gemara says. Sieve is a, a colander used for spaghetti. And there's holes all over it. That's gruesome. Why, why did he have to die? He's going to die, so let him get killed. Why does he have to be leaking? And the Gemara says it's dumb all over the place. And as I'll say, that every Revia's dumb <coughs> was machapra like a separate misa. We know from the Mishnayas, Revia's dumb is considered pious for many halachas. Last words he said were the Siddiq Adin on his matzav and on realization he did the wrong thing. And then Yayad suggests in the realization as his Neshama was leaving him that Neshama was from somewhere else and this was a tikkun because he didn't deserve the extent of the pain and the gruesomeness of this particular way to die. Each of Saddam was mechaper for previous Averis of Achaz. He says it's a remez, Yashio's, the first and last letter is uh, the minion of Achaz. And he says that's why Yemiyo didn't spell it out, because he knew that his Nisayan was either to make the painful decision to recognize that many are not doing the right thing and face them, which is going to be a battle, or face Paranachan battle and be killed and have the Kapar for Ochaz. Now, if you're wondering, and again, this is deep Kabbalah, but if he would have done the right thing, so where's the Kapar for Ochaz? Ayad Hashem Perhaps the battle he would have had to do within Klai Yisrael would have been so painful. That would have been the Kapar. There are many ways to do this. And he adds one more Prat, he says, the Pasuk and Eicha, Ruach HaPena Mashiach Hashem Nilkeh, which speaks of some, he was caught in their net, which means they tricked him. And the tragedy wasn't just the individual tragedy of Yeshua Melech, it's the fact that there were enough sinister people who were willing to trick him and make fun of him. And that's why the Truva didn't reach the point that they can rely on this Pasuk. He says that the Tikkun, after he was killed, I'll use the Lashon again, a Kavara. Kavara is a sieve. And he says it's a remez to the one thing that Ochaz did. Now, somebody's a Russian Rusha, why does he deserve a Tikkun? So one Mahalach is that every Neshama has to reach a Tikkun sooner or later. But you need a Schus, especially to be in his Gavl, in somebody like Yeshua or Melech, or something that he was. So he makes one more point, and he says that as bad as Ochaz was, Gemara tells us one piece of information. The Navi came to talk to him, to give him some Musa. He didn't want to talk to the Navi. He didn't end up talking to the Navi. But when he saw the Navi at the end of the field where he was, the Pasuk describes it, he was in a field, he was in a place where people did laundry. And to do laundry, they didn't have built-in showers, built-in plumbing. They used to take a bucket, punch a bunch of holes in it, like a sieve, put water in it, and then it would sprinkle out, you'd wash the clothing. So you look at the Pasuk, it just says he was in Steya Kaifsim, that was the area where the Kaifsim were. The Ben Yadda says, no, no. If you look at the Pasuk, and you look at Hazal, Hazal tells us that he saw him in the corner of his eye and he wanted to get away because he didn't want to talk to him, he didn't want to face him. And he took this picture, this barrel that had all these holes in it, and he put it on his head as a disguise, and he walked right by the Navi. The Navi didn't know it was him, and he got away. 
stay at Kaisa, and he took this because they had these things all over the place they used it for the laundry. He put it on his head, picture like a metal tail, put it on his head, and he walked right by. So he said, that's horrible. He didn't even want to be a man. He didn't want to speak to the Navi. Maybe you'll hear some Musr. answer is, he wasn't ready to speak to the Navi, but he was embarrassed from his Averis, and he didn't want to face the Navi. That busha is also a schus. And he says, the fact that Yoshio's body was hit so many hundreds of times and he was bleeding like a sieve, that was a remez, the schus that got this Gilgun Hashomer in was the fact that he had this moment of busha. Which means that no matter how far somebody goes and how bad the Einish is and how painful the Tikkun is, most Yidin, we hope all Yidin, had some aspect of that pencil Yid, something they did right, even if it was a moment of Busha in front of a person who could give them Musa. And that itself was the beginning of the Tikkun and what got the Schuss to come back as Yoshio Amalek. The tragedy of this description in Yeralaf here is when he was killed, maybe there was a tikkun for Ochoz, but had it been done a different way, Klai Yisrael would have been Zecher to have him longer, and probably would have averted the Chorban, and they weren't Zecher. Picture there are five billion decisions going on. Every time somebody has Bechir, they're not only affecting themselves, they're affecting what everybody else can do, and what you could have done for somebody else, and now you can't. Very, very complicated Cheshbenis What's jarring is the very end of the kina where Nivizradan is, Margitin tells us this, comes on the scene and he sees blood boiling and he asks them what is it they didn't want to say because they were embarrassed. It was the blood of Zechariah and they didn't like hearing Musser and they killed him as he was giving the Musser in the base of Mikdash. Apparently, that's the worst I've ever somebody could do. Somebody's trying to help you, he's putting himself on the line, very uncomfortable, very dangerous to give you Musr, and you push back and you kill him. And if Rizradan understood this is human blood, and he didn't give in, and he kept killing hundreds of thousands of people who were killed on this spot. Until that kapara was full, and as you mentioned before, he wasn't a Malik, but he was the chief butcher. And incredible, he did chuvi. He saw a nice nickel. He saw blood boiling. He saw he was shakting people. And finally, he davened and he said, Hashem, do you want me to kill everybody? And that Midas Arachamim, that plea for Midas Arachamim stopped him. And he disappeared after that and became a ger. So we have this dichotomy of the best person we have to offer getting killed before his time and resulting in the Chorban. But in the Chorban itself, the Tikkun of the, those who are there, the Shamas that are there, and even a Rosh Hamrusha who's able to see Yesh Din Ve Yesh Dayan. Zion is one of the most uh, graphic heartrending of the Kinnis, the two aspects which what to keep in mind. One is the Kinna ends, I mentioned before, the contrast of those who, at the darkest moments, see the Yad Hashem and are able to come back. And even Alphaz, as he mentioned, the great-great-grandfather of Yeshio, who <coughs> was a Russia and still was keeping that amount of busha that he realized something was still wrong. And it was Radon, the chief butcher and the chief henchman, of the conquerors was there doing his job all too well when he came upon the dam of Zechariah Navi. The last line of this dinner <coughs> contrasts the Einish and the Avera that he was encountering and that stood as a uh, testimonial to what happened in the Mikdash. The murder of the Navi was trying to help them. And they uh, murdered Zechariah with a Kain and a Navi. And Nibuz Radon realized that despite the fact that coming in, he was the second in command of the most ruthless people on earth, he realized that it can't be that bad for anybody unless it's divinely ordered. 
there's a certain minorities get in trouble, minorities get beaten up, and minorities are uh, subject to various things, but for obvious reason, nobody gets it like Eden. Because the natural world order is if you're a smaller number, you get picked on. The Yidin were always singled out a thousand times more than anybody else because that's not the natural order. That's Mashem Yatzadova. And he's Rodman saw it himself. What he didn't see, fortunately, and it's important to know because it's a misconception, the first line of Tachlan and Oshim Perim Tepuchim is not Rachmal Islam that anybody killed their children to eat them. It means these were dead fetuses and apidim, somebody starving and happened to be mutter. The sad state of affairs which the author of the Kinnah is putting into print is the fact that Yiddish imamas wouldn't do that even if they weren't alive anymore, even if they had to stay alive. And it was that bad that it was more than out of character as an understatement. And that's how bad it was, but it doesn't mean they were doing the wrong thing. Al Pidin, as gruesome as that sounds, everything. And again, looking at the Holocaust, which is more real to all of us, there were kapos here and there who weren't doing the right thing. Some of them were horrific. Some of them were in their mind's eye trying to save you. And many of them, when asked afterwards, they said everybody was marked to be killed within a couple of days. I was just saving my own skin, which is not mother. If you're directly hurting somebody else, that's called... Uh, you can't be deaf and never It doesn't apply. Those are few and far between. The copies that help. And the real heroics in the story was what went on every single day where Yidin gave up rations. They gave up rations to save somebody who was literally dying from starvation, even though they were a day away or a meal away, and they gave it away. There were Yidin who gave away rations to be able to put on tefillin or have a sit for five minutes. Giving away rations doesn't, we can't picture, it's not army rations here, you know, the next uh, tin can is coming along. Everybody was starving. And uh, people found strength that they didn't know they had. And they were most inefficient in a way, which is not really explainable if you didn't. You're not really allowed to put yourself in extreme suffering with somebody else. But wartime is different, and concentration camps and ghettos are different. Different rules. Same way, I believe. It's not the fairish anywhere, but all the stories you read about putting themselves in Sarkana to bake matzahs and to build the sukkah and to uh, light Hanukkah Menera. It's hard to explain that, I'll be din. For Mitzvah say the only pool that you have is in the Kufman Zanya or there. You can't do a, can't do the Gimel Ve'ez even if it's not Shas Hashman. China wasn't sufficiently Shas Hashman or not. The government wasn't doing it against religion per se because if you claimed you were converted to a different religion, they killed you anyway. But there was a perceived Shasta Shmad, certainly for the local population who did the anti-Semitism, not a state mandated, but because they, uh, they grew up that way. And for Alessa say, even Alessa say, Darbon needs to change your shoelace, all that's Yahar Vayavr. That you could maybe explain if it was a Shasta Shmad. So in Vatal it doesn't appear anywhere since the favorite that it's not Yahar Vayavr. So normally it's not Yahar Vayavr, that's awesome. But all the stories we know that tell us what Klai Yisrael was, even in recent times, the Pasha the Yidin, who were not Pasha, were doing just that. And there were Fry Yidin, most of the people went into the camps, were cross-section of the population of what was out of the camps, most of them were Fry. And although, yes, some people lost Bitoch and Amunah because they went in, many people, Bashas Maizah, realized, I'm dying as a Jew, I want to live as a Jew, whatever amount of time I had. The lineup for the Tefillin, and for the Yom Kippur davening, which they did in the barracks, they were caught, they would all be killed on the spot, were people in line that were Bundists, Marxists, secular Zionists, they had all these things before the war, and they were all lining up. So it brought out this Pintali in, they were willing to sacrifice their lives. So how do you explain that, Al-Pidin? On paper, it's hard to. I believe that they had the right to do it because they had to wake up in the morning and they needed a reason to live. And this was their pushback against the riches that was going on. This was their rebellion. And there's room for that al Din. At the beginning of the war, one of Ravoshi's truthers in the Kavna Geda 
Rolf came to him and said he was the head of the council before the war and they, he knew a lot of the Gaim, Lithuanian Gaim. The only people who equaled the Nazis in Risha, so maybe outdid them, were the Lithuanians. Just understand that from the backdrop of the story. And it was the very beginning when they were rounding people up and they had topped many people and they were in the police station and there were Shiva Bochum there and others. And he asked Avoshi, am I supposed to go to the police station to try to get them out? Should I? Should I not? Is it Rishos? Is it also? Hashas, it's also. They knew already then. They were rounding people up, they were killing people in the streets. They were, just, they were just getting them into the ghetto. They didn't know the full extent of what was coming. That's why he asked the Shaila. But can you imagine somebody's asking whether to go to Lithuanians to plead for mercy? And Avoshi told them, you're still not a chiv to go. He understood the danger was that bad. He said, I can't stop you. At that time, they still didn't know where this was going. But everybody understood there was a 50% chance, maybe a 90% chance, that if he shows up there, they're just going to take him and they're not going to accomplish anything. And Avoshi says, again, it's written after the war, he said that he did it and he succeeded. There was apparently one guy there he knew before the war. These were the neighbors, the, the pillow of the whole thing. What was so crushing for them is Nazis invading army. Uh, you're Polish, Lithuanian, you never met these people before. The people who aided and abetted sometimes the Moors resist from the Nazis were your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers, your underlings. So he went in. It doesn't say anywhere in Shofanar you have to put yourself in danger. As a matter of fact, it probably can't be explained. But they understood that if Klaus all doesn't work together, no one's going to get through this. And it was a schuss. That person survived that incident, did not survive the war, as Lithuania had the lowest rate of survival. And the Polish rate, and everybody else, wasn't that high either. We're talking 3%, 4%, as opposed to 1%. The Lithuanians were so vicious. Coach uh, Bochel puts things in people's heads. He went to the chief of police and he was an old neighbor, and because of his mysterious nefesh, that's why he said yes, not because he was interested in cooperating. So, don't be fooled by a misinterpretation to Juan Anosh Imperium or Lutepuchim. It doesn't mean they were killing anybody, suddenly not their children off Mount Islam. It's what they had to come to during the siege of Yushalayim in their starvation. And the Pell is, again, I mentioned before, the Nazis were waiting for this. Nazis were waiting for a mass yish and suicide, and they wanted to see the humiliation of the people, and they were in a spa. We know this from Nazis who made comments during the war. We can't believe you guys are still here, and we can't believe you guys are talking to each other and helping each other. This is has the worst moment, but it's the finest moment. And there was a comment made by one of the uh, Polish uh, generals who had been helping the Nazis with the final solution before they actually had the meeting to figure out the final solution. It was late in 41. The original plan was to starve everybody and put them in the ghetto, and they figured disease and starvation would take its toll, which it took a serious toll. There's no medicine, they were crowded situations where mentally you don't know how they survive for five minutes. And hundreds of thousands of people did die from starvation and disease, but not quick enough and not enough for them. And his infamous statement was there are still 1.2 million Polish Jews and they're not giving up and they're still living a life in the ghetto. You don't see pictures in the ghetto. I can't imagine. They, they had yeshivas running and they had societies and they had gamachs and they had, they built up a whole working thing. You can't imagine, like for, for two minutes you can't imagine. This is after the war with Bob Wilder, after they realized what was going on. And the Nazis were frustrated because they were obviously running their communities and helping each other out that we can't get rid of the 1.2 million through starvation and suicide like we had hoped to. We need a different solution. That's collectively the biggest Kiddush Hashem. It's a bigger Kiddush Hashem than the uprising, which we didn't discuss yet. I'm not saying that was good or bad. There's an aspect to it, but the biggest kiss Hashem is the fact that they saw Yidin unlike any other minority, any other people in this situation, were acting like humans in a situation where nobody was supposed to feel human. And that's the backdrop of this kina, yes, but these same people, some of whom survived, went to build up 
within 70 years after Gordon Bay Shandy, 70 years, they had enough people in critical mass and in the healthy psychology of the viewpoint of the pride of Kleiswell, who joined Bar Kochva and almost flew off the Rome. 70 years after the Corbin, after the Romans killed a couple of million people. That's the frustration of the Goyim and the Godless of Kleiswell, is they, they don't know what makes us tick. But if you're still acting like a Yid and doing your best, then there's going to be a future. And so the frustration and the dismay of our enemies and to the uh, Nachas and Shemayim. Kalfalif is Saruge Malchus. And there are two times during the year that we discuss the Saruge Malchus, Tishabaz and Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, the focus, not that different than Tishabaz, but the focus there is the Averis of Kleisol that can cause the removal and the Patira of the Deli Elam. So nice to have them longer, and sometimes the taken's part of the kapara, similar to what we discussed with Yoshio Amelov. The second aspect is not only in their patira and the fact that they're killed along with the Sutton given Rashus to the Makatri, but even when they're alive, this is a, an important Akuda in Hashkafa that is often missed. On one hand, we don't have a concept uh, that the Goyim made up like they always make up everything they do with their made up religions of papal and fallacy, if I can borrow the expression. A person tries hard and he's dealing with the Shailis, passing the Shailis, giving direction to Klai Yisrael. Can there be a mistake? The answer is uh, everybody's human, but Chazal in the Gemara and Gittin in the Corbin Gemara tells us that a person is making major decisions for Klai Yisrael and even minor ones, but certainly major ones, there's a, hopefully, and times are good, to a lot of Tziat and how to make that decision. Rebbe Zakai had the very, very painful task of being the Gadol and the decision-maker at the time of the Corbin by Shani. And to make matters worse, it's obviously the time of Corbin choosing between bad and worse, what's the lesser of the two evils. But he was also fighting internally because there were Beyanim and nationalists, uh, whatever comes around, goes around, stays around, and they have these Bachalikas in the Warsaw Ghetto. And there were different deas, but unfortunately all the other deas were not all Pidas Terra. They just wanted to do what they felt uh, felt good and was looking good. Uh, pride, nationalism, I mentioned Masada before, the decision by Masada I'm talking about the final decision to commit suicide, which is normally also that may be katana if you're taken to do Averis, and the only possibility is suicide. So the saying Sukkin Gittin says the 400 boys and girls jumped off the ship because they knew what was the store. And the Gemara quotes that without uh, Taina. Gemara quotes that that is mutter. So there are examples where it's mutter, but the fact that they were in Misada and they felt that their job was to hold out against the Romans, well, Yechem and Zakai Paskin, two crucial things. Number one is you shouldn't fight even for your lion. Put down your arms and surrender. Very unpopular with the uh, populist view that no, Jewish pride, and Jewish pride is valuable when Gavlada says it's in place. He said we're going to get more people killed right now if we surrender earlier, there's going to be less damage. And they didn't listen. To the point, as we all know, the Gemara says that he couldn't get out of the city to deal with the emperor and he had to be smuggled out in the coffin that the pretendee died. And even that was dangerous, they wanted to stay up there. Often, and they, they tied it to them, which again, at least the silver line who shows the pinto liid, said that you don't want them to say that they stabbed their own leaders, even in death, not the Kavadik, so let them go. That only worked, it worked as Hashem wanted it to work, but it worked because his nephew was one of the generals and he was still somewhat with the program. He's the one who gave the advice to <laughs> He said, if I bring this up, they're going to kill me. Talking about desperate, violent people who are not hashkafically on target at all. They weren't listening to Abiyatam Zaka. Fortunately, he got out, and when he said, he didn't ask for Yushalayim. So the Mars' big question is, why didn't he ask for Yushalayim? He had the emperor's ear. He came at a time where he gave a nevuah, he wasn't a navi, but you'll be the emperor, 
And he said, why'd you do that? And you make me fun of me. He said, no, no, you will be. And then the messenger came and he was just crowned. So he was very impressed and very disposed to giving him something. Yechem Azaka, by the way, wasn't claiming Navua, and he said, the Pesach, the Shalim's not going to fall in the hands of somebody who's anybody less than the emperor. So he said, it's now a couple thousand years later. Now we see in clear 2020 hindsight that that was the right thing to ask for because he understood that Klai is not going to survive in a physical place called Eretz Yisrael, not going to survive in a physical base of It's going to survive with the very intangible, intangible but most precious asset, and that is our Torah and our Messiah, and the fact that we're going to continue having children and having Darius Yisharim, and he was a thousand percent right. At the time, it was very unclear, and he had many detractors, certainly among the Biryanim and the Sekrikim, but even among the Chachamim, they weren't sure you had his attention. Ask for Yishalayim, let him say no. Ask. He felt, if he, one Teretz Nehemiah is, he felt if he asked for too much, they'd get him angry. He says, ask for Yishalayim. I, t- I said, Rabbi, ask for something I can deliver on. I'm here for years trying to conquer the city. I'm giving up on Yishalayim. He's afraid he'd get angry. It's a real understandable shash. And he said, I want to ask Tafasta, move a lot Tafasta. The other Teretz Nehemiah, not necessarily a steer, it could be Zebazagarim, he was trying his best to figure out Apidas Terra, and certainly from the Gestapo's point of view, what's going to work over here? So he figured, Tenli Yavna Chachamel, small village somewhere, never heard of it. He said, The rabbi asked for it, could have asked for anything. He asked for a, a village with a Shiva, a Sahedrin. So the emperor thought that Abiyah Hamazaka dropped the ball. The Romans soon found out later that they just lost the war. But that's fine. That's why Abiyah Hamazaka is in charge. But there is a side of the Gemara, and I think it's always good to minimize Machlokes in the Gemara. So I think it's Zev Zagarim that know that perhaps he could have asked Yishalayim, and maybe they would have backed off. They were that impressed. However, they quote the pasuk Meishiv Chama Achar V'Daytem Yisokel. Very frightening pasuk, and often misunderstood. Meishiv Chama Achar V'Daytem Yisokel, which means that Kosh Baruch will sometimes cause the das of the Gedolim, even Rabbi Yechon Zakai, to not make the right decision because it's Bashert that. The Corbin come and Hashem wanted to show the big So, therefore, he only asked for Yavne instead of asking for Yavne and Yushalayim. What does that mean? So, that means that, again, you need Siat even for this, but if you're a Biafra Medaka, you always have Siat Shmaya, and there's a Tzad, the decision wasn't right, it could have been better, then the Pasig Meshav Chum Ocha Vedaitim Yisako comes into play that Hashem that he shouldn't give this because of his destiny, you shall answer the conquer. And therefore, it turns out, Lamar Freya, that it was the right decision because that was Ratzon Hashem. So, that's important to Kuda because we have no issue with uh, Das Terah because if it's right, it's right. And if it's wrong, it's not a papal fallacy. It's wrong, meaning on paper, you look at the odds and maybe should have even attempted to be Marames, maybe back off this time. But Hashem Yetzadavah shouldn't happen. And part of the kinah of Arze Levanon is not only the tragedy of the Gedolim who were lost during this Kufa. Most of them, by the way, were after Horm Baishani during Barakhazah's rebellion and then the Shemad after that. It's all one long Korban over 72 years. And part of the problem was not only that they were killed and we weren't Zechah to still have or Kiva and all the other Asar Rugamachus. The second part of Meshav Cham Malachar is that even the ones that were alive, because Baruch Hu, to bring the punishment that was necessary, had to stop them from giving the right opinion or giving an opinion. And that's crucial because one of the questions we started discussing yesterday, which we didn't get to, which I'll pick up next week, was when they finally saw what was going on, why didn't they tell people to run? So the factual historical answer, they're talking about the Rabbanim and the people who asked. The factual answer is by the time that everybody realized what was going on, you couldn't run. That's the real answer. Even in Tinsalaim, somebody could have, talking about 38, 37, 38, 39, plenty of people ran. Whoever could get out, the problem is America wasn't taking people in. There was nowhere to go. They turned back ships. I mean, that's the history. It's not the, the, the question, again, as I, I mentioned about these sheets of the Lord, it's a klotz kasha. It's not a kasha, ignorant of of history. But even in Tinsalaymar, there were people that didn't go and they were told by Das Terah that America's a trade for Medina, your kids are going to be off the derech, don't go. That happened. And then they asked, no, but now everybody's dead. So this is a difficult thing to, um, 
eternal life. But just think honestly for a moment. What's better for you? To die as a year from or to be in New York dropping the till in the harbor? It's a no-brainer. Very difficult to handle. Uh, they could have come to America. Some people stayed from Yeah, Some people stayed from The parents and grandparents, the people standing in this room, uh, we lost over 95%. America was, uh, was, was a bigger Marcus Medina than what was going on in Europe. So the question, the aside, is a mistake. It says, uh, well, where was the Das Terra? Who said it was wrong? Where was the mistake? That some people survived in America? They had to go with the odds. And, and it was only 38, 37, 36, 35, and nobody knew what was coming. So you put the two together. Now you put the third thing together. is that that this person was destined to find the Holocaust, and that was part of the general Zebra. So I don't believe the two answers in the Gemara are steer. I think it's Zebra Zegarim, but it's a backdrop of an Chama to understand that 99% of the time, all these Shilas were asked to have Oshri, and the Kovna Rav died in the ghetto of heartbreak. So they were asking him Shilas, they started the selection process, and they were asking him Shilas that you learn about in the Gemara, and it's in Shulchan Aras somewhere, but the, the Paskin, these things, and he was, this is the Dvar Avram. I have a Dvar Avram, he probably do it. He was the last Kovna Rav, he was uh, the ranking goat of the time, and he was up in the middle of the night, and he kept telling the, the council of the to come back an hour later, an hour later, an hour later. He didn't want to give an answer. Mom was selecting the uniforms. Who should I send? They asked me for a list. They're going to kill everybody if you don't give them. This Shiloh went on every single day in the ghetto. To their credit, there were friar heads of the Unrat who committed suicide. I'm not saying on the Psach to commit suicide. But they realized, despite the fact they weren't yet from, they became very from. They said, we can't sign off on sending you to their deaths because they already knew where they were going. Most of them were friar. And they came to the Covenant Road, begging Rebbe, we need a decision. He gave some guidelines. He also died from the process. He was an old man at the time, but he died from heartbreak. And they'll say, well, was it the right? Was it the wrong? How did, everybody's marked, so who do you send it? Not for now. For the separate sugi, hopefully, alochum, and never lamaisa again. But they face this every single day, and <coughs> the decisions made were either the right decisions of or a function of Meshach, Lacham, and Macher, most of the former, very little of the latter. But the Gemara says there's an aspect that perhaps if Yechem said what Hashem wanted him to say, even though on paper, perhaps he could have asked for more. The Raya Ladover is, you look at the Gemara Brochus, when Yechem was dying, and he was crying, and to me they said, Rebbe, why are you crying? And he said, uh, there are two paths in front of me, Gehenna and I don't know where I'm going. So all the Bali Musas say, Yechem Azaka didn't know where he was going, then we're in big trouble. If Yechem doesn't know where he's going, then nobody knows where he's going. He must have said, you can't be too sure of yourself. You've got to do true at the last moment. Then don't assume. That's true as a Musavert. The MS was, there was one thing that nagged and dogged and caused Abiyah HaMazakai not to sleep for the rest of his life. He never knew whether that decision was correct. He, he's the God who gave up usual life. Can you imagine living with that? I don't know exactly what the story was, but Rabbi HaMazakai, who was the name in the Chorban, before the Chorban. Did you notice? They went to Yavna afterwards. He's the one who asked for Yavna. There's one person conspicuously missing. It's Rabbi Yechem Look at all the Gemara's by Yavna. Yechem was such a, a gadol and such an honor. You know, he was the, he's the one who did everything. He's the one who got it together. Why can't he come be the Abbasin? One part was due to his He wanted to give it over to the Shoshel Luto of the, the Nesim, which he did. And he didn't want to take uh, the mantle leadership further. Part of it, I'm guessing, is that the decision was very, very difficult. And there's a man down with the Gemara that says maybe it wasn't right, they're not blaming him. They, they quote the Pussy. But he was so distraught, he's made a decision. It looks like to me that he's going to go learn the rest of his life, but it doesn't have to be whatever he did, he did. We hope it's the right thing. But I did my side. He was worried that he would get a Nainish. Uh, we know historically he didn't, and I think a uh, moment before he died, he figured it out. As the Gemara says, the Chizkiyo HaMelech came to him and was the Neshama that was going to bring him to the Elam Emes. Everybody discusses it. Why Chizkiyo HaMelech? Of all people. Chizkiyo HaMelech was Achaz's son, we just spoke about. And then he had Menashe, and then, uh, his grandson was Yoshio. 
Chizkiah was, uh, was the, the uh, king who was a tzaddik enough to uh, avoid a chorban at the last minute, and he had an ace nigla, 185,000 troops, died at the gates of Yushalayim. That was the first close brush with the chorban. But he had such schusim and such learning going on, you've heard it. Okay. What does that have to do with the Ebenezer Zaka? I think the pshat is that the only two people in history who were at a pivotal point, should you give up Yushalayim, the backdrop of Chizkiyot, was, interestingly enough, the exact opposite. All the men of the city, all the generals, all the cabinet members, were screaming at him, give up your flag, look out the window, the 185,000 troops, let's at least uh, raise a white flag, save somebody, they're going to annihilate everybody. And the Navi told them, no. There's no one answer, fight, not fight. Depends on what the Navi says. And the Navi told him, Hashem will save you, even though it looks impossible, and tomorrow morning they're coming in. It was Erepesah. Hashem will save you. So here, Chizkiah was faced, should I give up Yerushalayim or not? What, what's good for Klai Yisrael? And he made the right decision, didn't give up. And Be'ech HaMazakeh faced the same decision. His decision was to give it up, to save Klai Yisrael. Chizkiah Dafka came to tell him, we're the only two people in history ever faced this decision, and I'm coming to tell you you did the right thing. I think he found out moments before he died that it was the right decision and that was his Nechama and the Nisham was able to leave with that uh, Yishev Hadas, so to speak. But that's their, sorry, Ruge Malchus is not just their body that's being killed, it's the sometimes Lakasiat Shmaya that Klaisel needs that could be withheld from them and Lamela from us. Namalef is the kinna written for the burning of the Sfarim. The particular incident was the burning of most of the Sfarim, most of the Gemaras in all of France, which was the seat of learning. Uh, but it's also an echo of uh, many other times that the Goyim did this. The Romans you mentioned before were trying to figure out why Klaisol keeps coming back. And they almost touched upon the secret they asserted giving the smicha. They tried to cut it off, which ultimately they succeeded because there's never enough in Israel to give it. And they thought, first they thought that it's like any other nation, so if we crush them militarily, it'll work. And that didn't work. And then they started realizing it has something to do with the Torah and the Messiah. They think we'll cut off the smicha, but they didn't know about Hashem, is that even without the smicha, which is difficult, we can't do full Sanhedrin, even without the Besamikdish, even without the Kabonis as long as we're learning. And they started figuring that out also, which is why they had such a paid them as lavas to uh, burn sperm and uh, to, to the printing press to be able to put sperm together and to write them was a real tremendous labor that was expensive and there weren't that many. This was a, a real tzara, just wasn't just lack of cover for the sperm. It was a tzara for the uh, learning that they were trying to do. They still persevered, and there were enough people knew about Pat, and they started writing things over, but it takes its place as one of the kinnas because of the fact that it happened not only in France, but in other places as well. The Gemara Nadarim, famous Gemara on Pei Aleph, quotes the Pesach in Yirmiya, Praktes, Ma'avdaretz. So Pesach in Yirmiya already is Part of the we're trying to explain them. Abdaharat, we have the Messera, the first bias, with the Rashi, the Zama Vodazar, the second bias, the first bias, actually, Vodazar, mainly, the second bias, and Schinnam. And the Gemara is asking because there's something deeper. And the question is, what was bothering the Gemara? So, the Gemara is Lushen, Amal Abdaharat, Dabaz Anishal Chacham, Nadim, Lopeshu. You know, we didn't spell it out. Chamim couldn't put the finger on it. And the Gemara goes on to prove the Pesukim al Shalai Birchu Birchza Teret Chilu. Everybody has Birchza Teret, either Tharesa to Abon, even in the top Tharesa. Not saying a Brocha is not a key of Misa, is not a key for a Korban or construction. It's obviously something a lot uh, deeper. So the Bach explains that Shalabarchu Chilu is not the Brocha per se, it's the fact that they weren't much of the learning. Enough, and those who were doing it were doing it either by rote or intellectual activity, but they didn't realize the chashivas of Tamatari Kinekar Kulam and the fact that the only thing we have, the real secret, is not the Beis Amikdash alone, not Eretz Yisrael, not the Smicha, not even the Svarim. 
It's the learning and the being able to pass it on. And they didn't fully appreciate that. There were those that did, but apparently not enough. So I saw the Ravitzula has a very interesting Kashan Teres. He ties it in with this Gemaras and Kashayar. And he says, if you look at the answer, you'll understand what the Kasha was, what was bothering the Gemara and what was unclear about the Pasuk, the Navi at great length. Yeshaya is a very large safe, and so is Yirmiya. And it says again and again what the Averis were. It's quite clear the Averis that were going on. What was the Kasha? So Avitzalah says, what was bothering them is the fact that we know from Chazal, Barasi Yitzahar, Barasi Peretablin, and if you're learning, the learning is the antidote to the Yitzhahar. The question wasn't what were the Averis, we know, the question is how did it happen if they were learning? And they were learning. So how did it happen? That's what's bothering the Gemara. And the Gemara says, yes, they were learning, they didn't have the full appreciation, the full amelus, the full chashivas for it. And that's why it didn't protect them as much, and it wasn't the top one it was supposed to be. In Mamela, that's why these Averis happened, that caused the Chorban. It gives an example by David Amal, the reason why the Badadim didn't warn him is because one time the Vaz of the Badadim, the antidote can only work if it's being protected in its full dosage, its full form. And what this kin is doing here is not just about the burning of this farm and the burning of the Gemaras. It's the fact that all these things that happened in Legolas are a throwback to the cause of why it happened in the first place. And this happens to be a blend of two different things. One is the lack of Hashivas, the learning on the level it should be. And the second one, everybody points out, is the Goyim saw this and they saw it from the Yidin because there were Yidin burning some Svarim. And there are some Svarim Yavachid to burn. If not Pekaris, right, to save the Torah. The din is you burn the Sefer Torah with the Shemus Hashem, with the whole thing, hakol bakol. But you've got to be careful before you decide what's not courses and what's not. And some were burning the Svarm of the Rambam because of the controversy of the Merle Ruben. And the Midi Kenegamida and the facts on the ground, the Gaim saw it and they hopped onto the idea. And the Midi Kenegamida over here uh, was uh, the lesson being learned in this Kinnah. So it's a blend of both the Hashivas of learning and not appreciating enough and the fact that. The appreciation of somebody else's learning, similar to Rabbi Kiva Talmidov here, in the case of the uh, learning of the Rambam Svarim, has to be held as you're learning. You can argue and you can debate and you can ask kashas and that and you still have to keep the covered abrius within the uh, covered abrius.